Well, this morning we are going to begin a series. I'm not sure how long it's going to be. We'll know when we get to the end of it, I guess. But we're going to talk over these next few weeks about prayer. Now, your, your first, and, and one of the questions I'm asking today is, what is prayer? And we're just going to get started on it today. In fact, the outline you have in your bulletin, I'll warn you right now, we're not going to get anywhere near all the way through that. So we're going to just kind of, I hope to just introduce you and get you thinking about this topic. And by the way, I am, I'm not, you know, the success of this, of this topic is not, not that you uh, enjoy hearing the messages about it or, or what goes on in this building. The, uh, I think during this time, I, I think the success of this is what is going to happen in your own life in terms of prayer. And so that's the goal here. The goal is not just to talk about prayer. The, the goal is that our lives would be changed in light of this topic of prayer. Now, <clears throat> You might say that's a pretty good, pretty easy question. What is prayer? Everybody knows on some level what prayer is. Prayer is, you know, talking to God. And there are a lot of Americans that pray. About four out of five Americans say that they pray. That's a pretty high percentage. There's about uh, 55% say they pray every day. 21% say they pray weekly or monthly. And only about 23%, less than one out of four people say they don't pray at all. 64% of those who pray are women, 46% are men. Uh, 65% of those who are over 65 pray, and 41% of those under 30 uh, pray regularly. And so, you know, a lot of people pray, but... You know, that's a little bit like saying, uh, how many people talked to their spouse this last week? You know, now, Vicki may have told me to take out the trash. That may have been her only conversation. Or she may have had a conversation uh, about how much she appreciated uh, all the things I did for her. Now, that's a different kind of conversation. So, if people say, well, I talked to God, you know, the question I have is, what was the nature of the conversation? that we're having with God. And so, here's something I I want you to do this morning, and you can do it today, you can do it next week. But in your bulletin, there's a tear-off. And I would like you to write down any question that you have regarding prayer. Any question you have about prayer. Um can be anything. Nothing's foolish. Nothing's silly. Uh, write it down. You don't need to put your name on it. <clears throat> and I'm going to ask Dave back there, and at the end of the service, I'm going to just ask Dave to have a, a plate, and if, you're, if you have a question, you can just throw it in there and drop it in there. Otherwise, you can uh, throw it on my desk or Paulette's desk sometime, any next uh, week's question. And I will seek to address in, in the format of what I'm speaking, I, I will attempt to address any question um, that comes in. <clears throat> I, I may not have answers to all your questions, but 
I will acknowledge them, and if I don't, I will, we'll just talk about that. So, this morning, I want to mention to you that one of our values here at, at Bethany is being honest and, and being real. We don't like to pretend. We don't like to pretend we're more spiritual than we are. We don't like to pretend, uh, <clears throat> you know, something's great when it's not. And so, just, we, we want this church to be a place where we can be real because of the context in which we all can grow. And so, we're going to look at some real questions here. And I think if some of us were honest, if our prayer lives were evaluated, they would appear to be somewhat dysfunctional. Now let me tell you what I mean by that. Let's say that you were struggling in your prayer life, so you went in to see a prayer therapist, right? If there was such a thing. So just imagine with me, okay? You, you go in to see a prayer therapist, and you sit down, and he begins to ask you some questions, and, and uh, he pulls out, opens his Second Corinthians chapter 6, and he reads these verses. We are the temple of the living God, and God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And so the therapist says, do you believe that? You say, you know what? I've placed my faith in Jesus Christ. I've trusted for his work on the cross. I'm an heir. I'm a child of God. Uh, <clears throat> that's true. I believe that I am a child of God who is my father. And then the therapist would say, so tell me, what is it like to be with your father? And some of us would say, you know what? That is the highlight of my day. Which, really, when you think about it, it should be. And yet for others, they would say, I've I got to be honest with you. I, when I pray, my mind wanders all over and I, I can't get focused. And sometimes I feel like I'm just talking to the air and I, I don't know if God is there and I don't know if he even really cares or if I'm getting through. And the therapist would say, you know, I think you have a dysfunctional relationship because you talk, you know, in your mind you know who you are as a child of God, but, but you're not experiencing that in your relationship with God. And so prayer is very telling in terms of revealing the kind of relationship we have with God. Uh, you know, you can learn the whole Bible by heart and parse every Greek and Hebrew word and, and not necessarily know God. Not necessarily have a, a functional, uh, meaningful, deep relationship with God. And so, for many, I, I just want to acknowledge here on the front end that you, you may have a lot of questions about prayer and I just want you to know that, that you probably have a lot of company. And you look around, you think everybody else has this meaningful, effective prayer life, and I really struggle. I, <clears throat> I'm here to tell you, you, you may be in the majority. But just a guess. I don't know that, but 
you might be in the majority. Uh, it can be difficult, <clears throat> this whole thing called prayer. I'm going to read to you a, a story, <clears throat> something that happened in the book of Acts, and then I'm going to ask you a question about it. This is Acts 12. It says, It was about that time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. Yet James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword, and when he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. So Peter was kept in prison, and the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Well, that night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentry stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell right off of Peter's wrists. And then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so, and wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And the angel, told, the angel told him, and Peter followed him out of the prison, but had no idea that the angel was doing, uh, what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt the Lord sent his angel to rescue me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, mother of James, also Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer door entrance, and the servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed. She ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept on insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Now, how many of you have heard that? Quite a few, okay? Isn't that a great, isn't that a great story of how God answers prayer? But I have a question. <clears throat> What was James' family thinking? What was James' family thinking? You know, James was one of the apostles, and it just kind of, we kind of passed over it real quickly there in the beginning. Uh, Herod had it out for Peter, and Herod had it out for James. Peter gets miraculously saved from prison, and James gets a sword through his heart. So what are you thinking if you're the family of James? Was Peter important? Um, didn't we pray enough? Does God play favorites? Uh, <clears throat> I don't know what James's family was thinking, but these two incidents were very close together. And, you know, imagine walking in the church and everybody's celebrating the answered prayer and Peter's been saved from Herod's persecutions. And James' family is <clears throat> still having a hard time making it through the service because <clears throat> they've lost someone they deeply loved. 
mean, let's be honest, prayer's like that. You, somebody in the room across the hall gets healed, but you don't. <clears throat> One time God seems to answer prayer, and another time he doesn't. And <clears throat> sometimes you wonder if it's how you're praying, or did you pray enough? And so we have these, uh, you know, when it gets down to, to real life, we have these questions <clears throat> that scroll through our minds, these these questions about prayer. So back to the original question, what is, what is prayer? Is it sending a message to God? When we pray, is God actually with us? Or is it like leaving a, a message on an answering machine? This, this is from Associated Press. Uh, <clears throat> this is back a few years ago now. It was March 2009. A, a Dutch artist, Johan van der, van der Jong, decided that God needed a telephone number. So he got him a cell phone. And uh, he wanted to show that God was available anywhere, anytime. And he said, you know, in earlier times, people go to church to pray. So now I just want to make this number so that people get the idea that God's available. And so, in one week, a thousand people left messages for God on this number. This is over in Holland. A thousand people, which was uh, pretty thrilling to this on one hand, but on the other hand, you you wonder how they felt once the connection was made, because when you called the number, it said, "Uh, this is the voice of God. I'm not able to speak with you at the moment. Please leave a message. Um, I think there's people that kind of maybe see God that way. Like, you know, you pray and maybe God will get around. Maybe it's almost like you're leaving a message. Prayer is sending a message to God. And, you know, that picture in heaven of the saints, they come with the bowls of, of, and they say, what's in the bowls? It's the prayers of all the saints. And, and, and sometimes we might see our prayers as getting thrown in a bowl and maybe God hasn't gotten to ours yet. And so there are lots of questions that we have. <clears throat> you know, people say they hear from God. What does that mean? You know, God spoke to me. I, I feel like God's telling me. What, what is that? How do we explain that? What, what are people talking about? And some people will say, you know, God doesn't speak to me. Is prayer a conversation or is it a monologue? Have I dug a deep enough hole yet here? <clears throat> there are a lot of questions <clears throat> around, around prayer. What, what I'd like to do this morning is <clears throat> just share a few more introductory thoughts and, uh, and then I'm going to tell you how we're going to go about just looking into what, what the context of prayer might, might really be like. <clears throat> Here's what we can agree on. Prayer is talking to God. Prayer is, when the Bible says praying or talks about prayer, whenever you say, I prayed... That means that you talk to God. I think we can all agree on that. You verbally said something to God. God, please help me. 
God, please heal my sister. Uh, Whenever we speak consciously acknowledging that there's a God out there, we are praying to God. We're talking to God. Prayer also, I think we can agree on, is projecting thoughts in our minds to God. And so I think most of us believe that, that I could say in this moment, I could say, you know what, we're going to bow our heads and I want you to just silently pray to God. I think most of us would agree that you can do that. You don't need to be speaking words verbally out loud to be praying to God. You can be praying. You can form thoughts in your mind and as it were, you know, understand and believe that God can see those thoughts. That wasn't true, then the only prayers that God would hear were the ones that you verbally spoke. And prayer can be expressing any thought or any emotion that you have. Anything that we say to God would be considered prayer. Now some would stop there and say, that's the extent of prayer. Prayer is your communication with God. That's what a prayer is. God doesn't pray to us. And and I think you can make a biblical argument for that. Where it gets a little deeper, and this is going to be another message, uh, does God speak to us? Or is this just a monologue? Are we speaking to God? Does God speak to us? How does he speak to us? We will be getting into that one down the road. So, the Bible would talk about revelation and illumination and different ways that God reveals things to us. But here's a, a working definition that I came up with. And for, this is for me personally. I cannot conceive of prayer simply being... Um, <clears throat> prayer isn't me sending a message off to God. For me, prayer is something that happens in the presence of God. I don't text God. I texted my wife over the weekend. She was in Madison. Um, So I sent messages to her, but she wasn't with me. I believe God's with me. When I'm talking to God, God is with me. That's something that I believe. And so when I think about prayer, I think about visiting with God in God's presence He isn't off somewhere 10 galaxies away. He is, I believe that his presence is there. And so here's a definition that that I have used of of prayer. I I just wrote this down after a study of prayer about 20 years ago. There are more purposes for prayer than just simply this, but I think this is a, a, a key starting point, and that is prayer is communicating and communing There's the experiencing God's presence. Communicating and communing with God who made us for himself and is seeking to draw us deeper into a relationship that is personal and intimate. Now certainly prayer is about interceding for others and prayer is about a lot of things, but I think it's pretty clear, biblically, that God created us for himself. And he created us in his image with a spirit that could 
commune with him, that could fellowship with him. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that God went to a, a pretty big extent to deal with our sin and to bring us back into relationship with him. And so prayer is this communication and this experience of God's presence, a relationship that's personal and a relationship that's intimate. And therefore, I would suggest to you that if we're experiencing prayer the way God would intend it, it should be, it should be the highlight of our lives. <clears throat> Communicating with the God of the universe, sitting in his presence, should be really the, the highlight of all the things we experience in life. That, that should be the ultimate experience that we have. Now, prayer is something that does not come naturally in our flesh. I, I think it's one of the... You know, there are lots of things we can do that kind of appeal to our flesh and kind of are inviting. And, you know, Mount Olive down the street here has regular concerts, and many of you have been there. And we'll pay 20 bucks, and we'll pack that place out, Right? What if Mount Olive announced that next month we're having a concert of prayer? Do you think we'd fill the building? I don't know. Wouldn't it be great? I remember standing at Promise Game. It was the first time standing up in the... It was, in, uh, it was back in the old Metrodome. And I remember standing on the top shelf and looking down and there were 60,000 men there worshiping God. And the thought struck me This is why we should be building stadiums. It's just a crazy thought. You know, we build stadiums to watch you know, 24 guys or 22 guys um, <clears throat> throw a football and kick a football back and forth. I thought, what if we built stadiums to come together to, to, to worship God and experience Him? <clears throat> By the way, that's a picture of the new kingdom. We'll get together on Sunday afternoon, not to watch the Pactors, but we'll, we'll get together... <clears throat> to uh, celebrate our God. And so we, we see here, we, we see here that prayer is something, it, it appeals to our spirit, but it's, it's difficult. There's a, little, there's a little phrase that you probably little read. It's almost a little equation. I'm going to put it up here. Desire discipline yields delight. <clears throat> and so, if you don't have any desire to pray, you're not going to pray. That's just, I mean, you've got to have a desire to pray. Sometimes what creates our desire is we're hurting really bad, right? We are hurting so bad that we're just crying out to God, and, and hurt and pain sometimes becomes our desire to pray. Hopefully, our desire to pray can go beyond just our hurt. And hopefully our desire to pray can be part of just a joy that we experience when we're in, in this communing, communicating relationship with God. But desire is kind of where it, it starts. And by the way, <clears throat> when God put his spirit within us, he put within us a desire for him. That's what the spirit, the spirit gives us a desire for God. It's why we, it should be why you're here is God has put a desire within you. And so 
we have that desire, but we're human beings. And so there's the discipline part. This is the part when you desire to uh, pray and you want to do that in the morning or you're thinking about coming into one of the 6 a.m. prayer meetings, the, the discipline is the part where you're hitting the buttons that control the alarm clock on, on, your, uh, on your clock by your bedside. And the discipline part is where you choose not to hit the snooze one more time. That's what the discipline is about. If we don't understand that it takes discipline, then we'll never get to the delight. Some of the great men of God, J.I. Packer, uh, Spurgeon, others, have all said the reason we don't pray is because we don't plan to pray. If you don't plan to pray, you know, if you don't put it in your schedule, if, you don't, if we don't discipline ourselves to do that, then we won't experience the delight. And so what happens with this, you have the desire, you discipline yourself, you get into the presence of God, and it increases your delight, the delight increases your desire, and it it gets to be cyclic. It also goes the other way. And it's interesting how the less we pray, the harder it is to get praying again. You notice that? The more we need it, the harder it is to do. At least that's true for me. And we just, get our, we just get going and we get ramped up and we just, all of a sudden we wake up and we don't have time because we're so busy and we just go and we go and we go and we pretty soon we think God created us here to work. And some of us are going, well, didn't he? No, God didn't create you to work. He created you for himself. When you are taking time to, to be in presence and experience him for who he is, you are fulfilling the number one purpose for which you, you were created. That, that is not a waste of time. All of our working may be a waste of time. Now, work is sacred. It's a gift. It's something we do, but it's, it's not the primary purpose for our existence and why, why we're here. So one of our values here is, is being honest and, and, and being real. And this is just such, a, this is just such an important part of, of each of our lives. Uh, this is a, I'm going I'm to read you a, a couple of paragraphs here from Keller's book on prayer. And uh, this is what he writes. We give priority to the outer life, our inner life will be dark and scary. We will not know what to do with solitude. In fact, we will be deeply uncomfortable with self-examination. And we will have an increasingly short attention span for any kind of reflection. Even more seriously, our lives will lack integrity. Outwardly, we will need to project confidence, spiritual and emotional health and wholeness, while inwardly we have with doubts and anxieties, self-pity or old grudges. Yet we won't know how to go to the inner rooms of our heart, see clearly what is there, and deal with it. In short, unless we put a priority on the inner life, we will turn ourselves into hypocrites. The 17th century 
English theologian John Owen wrote a warning to popular and successful ministers. A minister may fill his pews, his communion roll, the mouths of the public, but what the minister is on his knees in secret before God Almighty. That he is and no more. To discover the real you, look at what you're spending your time thinking about when no one is looking, when nothing is forcing you to think about anything in particular. At such moments, do your thoughts go towards God? He goes on, but the point is, if we want to have an integrity in our life, then we need to take that time of coming before God and sitting in his presence and allowing God to show us who he is and show us who we are and and do that transforming work in our lives. So here's where we're going to go. Um, One of the best ways to figure out how to pray and what this is like is, uh, as you look at the Bible, it doesn't talk a lot about how to pray. Now, Jesus said, the disciples came and said, teach us to pray. And what did he say? He said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Right? We all know that. You know, there are some people that that's all they pray. Like when I was a little kid growing up, now I lay me down to sleep, you know, that was kind of all I prayed. I prayed that every night, that's all I prayed. There are people that they'll pray the Lord's Prayer. They'll pray it at the end of every service. They'll pray it in the morning. And whenever somebody asks to pray, that's what they pray. And was Jesus saying, that's, that's it? That's how you pray? Well, we know that's not true. We can go to we can go, and we will probably, we'll go look at John 17. Jesus has a whole chapter where he's pouring his heart out to his Father. It's, an, it's a great way to see. So how did Jesus pray? Well, we know how he prayed. We saw. You know, the Lord's Prayer is a, it's a structure. But God never intended us to just simply, you know, our communication simply to be just repeating that prayer to him. And so... What we're going to do is next week, uh, there's lots of examples of prayers in the Bible. Next week, we're going to go to the book with the the greatest um, number of examples. And these were prayers that people used to sing. And so we're going to go look at the Psalms. And uh, next week, we're going to look at, we're going to look at, the Psalms can be grouped into different kinds of Psalms, different ways in which people prayed. So I'm going to give you next week, we're going to look at seven different ways that you can pray. Seven different focuses of your prayer life. And hopefully it'll be, it'll be very helpful and, and very instructive in what, what does it mean to pray? What does that look like? And for some of you who go, you know what, whenever I pray, I just, you know, my mind seems to wander and I can't keep on track. We're going to talk about that. Because that's just not a problem for you. That's a problem that we all have. And so we're going to talk about how we can focus and, and different ways. There are different ways that we need to be praying before God. And they're different. And we'll look at that together. You know, I'm excited about what God has for us. I, <clears throat> we're in the middle of 21 days of prayer. I think we're going to 
I think that's going to be a significant time. Uh, we met as overseers this weekend, Friday night, Saturday. And uh, we we're asking God because this is our responsibility. And it's a heavy responsibility. It's a very critical one. You know, what is God wanting for this body in the coming year? What is, you know, God knows us. You know, we've spent a number of years talking about outreach and getting out, sharing the gospel. And, and we believe that's an ongoing, very, very important thing. So coming into a retreat like this, we don't know what God's going to show us. He might say, you know what, you need to just keep on talking about outreach. That's what, it's really important. And we've done that for a number of years. Uh, <clears throat> but as we came and just, and, and spent time praying and, and just then looking into our hearts and see what, see kind of how God was, uh, what God was showing each one of us, we, uh, we came together around a couple of really major things. Number one is God is calling us to, uh, to Casey and Jen are, are moving into a ministry in Marshfield. We're calling in a, uh, another pastoral couple here and we are looking at <clears throat> transitioning and, and this person become the, the, the person through whom God is working in this congregation to establish the vision he has for the future. And we think that vision is significant, and we think that vision is going to be different than it is right now. <clears throat> Things could look very different five years from now. Very different. We don't know what that is, but we believe that's really a, an, this is really an important season for, for our church family. Secondly, we, have, we all sensed um, that we need to really be seeking the Lord here. Uh, we need to be relying on him. We need to be trusting him. Uh, anytime there's change, there's always spiritual warfare. There's always all kinds of things. And, and God will lead us, and he'll protect us, and he'll guide us. But we, be, we believe God is <clears throat> really calling us to pray and to become more of a congregation of prayer. And for me, to become more of a praying pastor. <clears throat> uh, this topic, I'll just tell you right up front, very convicting for me. Very convicting for me. I'm kind of a strategy thinking person. And, you know, I think sometimes God is just saying to me, well, you just quit thinking. Just, just quit all the thinking. Just, just look to me. Just depend upon me. Just trust in me. So <clears throat> that's where God is, that's where we sense God is leading us. And so, I'm going to be preaching on prayer. We're going to be talking about it. And hopefully we're going to be doing it. Hopefully we're going to be experiencing it in a, all of us in a greater way than we do now. And so uh, that's where we're headed. And I would just challenge you to just open yourselves up to what God has for you. And I'll tell you, when it comes to prayer, uh, as you deepen in your life with prayer, it will bring amazing, amazing results. Uh, it can bring amazing transformation uh, into our lives. Father, this morning, we thank you for uh, <clears throat> your love for us. We thank you that you went to the cross, that you tore the veil wide open, and now we can boldly enter into your presence, that there's no hindrances because of Christ, because we are now completely and fully cleansed and forgiven. And so you invite us into your presence. 
And uh, Father, we want to learn. We want to learn what that looks like to be in your presence. We're invited in. What, what does that look like as we come in? What, Father, just teach us over these coming weeks. And uh, as you teach us, show us uh, more clearly who you are. And Father, as we see who you are, we will see who we are. And uh, might you just do the, that work of transformation you desire in, in each of our lives, of conforming us to the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> you are dismissed.